14. Fact. The sporting headhunter bags what he can get. His declared friends alone accepted page 160. Beaten by Lao of Luzon. Near Dupax. Of the province of Nueva Vizcaya. Give the name debt of life to their headhunting practice, but they have, in addition, other reasons for head taking. No man may marry who has not first taken a head, and every year after they harvest their pottery the men go away for heads, often going journeys requiring a month of time in order to strike a particular group of enemies. The Christians of Dupax claim that in 1899 the Imbilao took the heads of three Dupax women who were working in the rice cementers close to the Pueblo. These same Christians also claim that they have seen a human head above the stacks of harvested Imbilao pottery and they claim the custom is practiced annually, though the Imbilao denied it. Some dozen causes for head-hunting among primitive Malayan peoples have been here cited. These include the debt of life, requirements for marriage, desire for abundant fruitage and harvest of cultivated products, the desire to be considered brave and manly, desire for exaltation in the minds of descendants, to increase wealth, to secure abundance of wild game and fish, to secure general health and activity of the people, general favor at the hands of the women, fecundity of women, and slaves in the future life. From long continuance in the practice of head-hunting, many beliefs and superstitions arise to foster it, until in the minds of the people these beliefs are greater factors in its perpetuation than the original one of the debt of life, the possession of a head, with the accompanying honor, feasts, and good omens, seems in many cases to be of first importance rather than the avenging of a life. The custom of head-taking came with the Idro to Luzon, a custom of their ancestors in some earlier home. The people of Bontoc, however, say that their god, Lumawig, taught them to go to war. When, a very long time ago, he lived in Bontoc, he asked them to accompany him on a war expedition to Lagod, the north country. They said they did not wish to go, but finally yielded to his urgings and followed him. On the return trip the men missed one of their companions. Gumanab, Lumawig told them that Gumanab had been killed by the people of the north, and thus their wars began Gumanab must be avenged, they have also a legend in regard to head taking, the moon, a woman called Kabibat, was sitting one day making a copper pot, and one of the children of the man Kalkal, the Sunday came to watch her, she struck him with her molding paddle, cutting off his head, the sun immediately appeared and placed the boy's head back on his shoulders, then the sun said to the moon, because you cut off my son's head, the people of the earth for cutting off each other's heads, and will do so hereafter. With the Bontoc men the taking of heads is not the passion it seems to be with some of the people of Borneo. It, island however, the almost invariable accompaniment of their interpueblo warfare, they invariably, too, take the heads of all killed on a head-hunting expedition. They have skulls of Spaniards, and also skulls of Idro secured when on expeditions of punishment or annihilation with the Spanish soldiers, but the possession of a head is in no way requisite to marriage, a head has no part in the ceremonies for poly fruitage and harvest, or in any of the numerous agricultural or health ceremonies of the year, it in no way affects a man's wealth, and, so far as I have been able to learn, it in no way affects in their minds a man's future existence, a beheaded man, far from being a slave, has special honor in the future state, but there seems to be none for the head-taker, as shown by the Lumawig legend the debt of life is the primary cause of warfare in the minds of the people of Bontoc, and it is today a persistent cause, moreover, since interpueblo warfare exists and head-taking is its form, 
Headhunting is a necessity with an individual group of people in a state of nature, without it a people could have no peace, and would be annihilated by some group which believed it a coward and an easy prey. There is no doubt that the desire to be considered brave and manly has come to be a factor in Bontoc head-taking. In my presence an Idra once told a member of Ottawaan that the men of his auto were like girls, because they had not taken heads. The statement was false, but the pronounced judgment sincere. In this connection, also, it may be said that although the taking of a head is not a requisite to marriage, and they say that it does not win the men special favor from the women, yet, since it makes them manly and brave in the eyes of their fellows, it must also have its influence on the women. The desire for exaltation in the minds of descendants also has a certain influence. Young men in quarrels sometimes brag of the number of heads taken by their ancestors, and the prowess or success of an ancestor seems to redound to the courage of the descendants, and it is an affront to purposely and seriously belittle the head-hunting results of a man's father. There can be no doubt that head-hunting expeditions are often made in response to a desire for activity and excitement, with all the feasting, dancing, and rest days that follow a successful foray. The explosive nature of a man's emotional energy demands this bursting of the tension of everyday activities. In other words, the people get to itching for a head, because a head brings them emotional satisfaction. It is believed that now the people of the two sister pueblos, Bontoc and Samoki, Look on war and head-hunting somewhat as a game, as a dangerous, great sport, though not a pastime. It is a test of agility and skill, in which superior courage and brute force are minor factors. Primarily a Pueblo is an enemy of every other Pueblo, but it is customary for Pueblos to make terms of peace. Neighboring Pueblos are usually, but not always, friendly. The second Pueblo away is usually an enemy. On most of our trips through northern Luzon car getters and guides could readily be secured to go to the nearest Pueblo, but in most cases they absolutely refuse to go on to the second Pueblo, and could seldom be driven on by any argument or force. The actual negotiations for peace are generally between some two auto of the two interested Pueblos, since the debt of life is most often between two auto. Bontoc and Samoki claim never to have sued for peace a statement probably true as they are by far the largest body of warriors in the culture area, and their war reputation is the worst. When one auto agrees on peace with another the entire Pueblo honors the treaty. The following peace agreements have been sought by outside Pueblos in recent years of the following auto of Bontoc, Salkan sued for peace from Somawan, and Barlig from Pugpajag, Tulubin, from Bialuing, Bitewagan, from Sipot, Tukukan sought peace from both Nkawa and Polupo and Sabangan also from Polupo, Sandanga, from Choco, and Peliwang, from Longfoi. The relations with two of these Pueblos, Barlig and Sandanga, however, are now not peaceful. Bontoc has many kin in Lias, some two days to the east, the trail to which passes Barlig, but communication between these Pueblos of kin has ceased, because of the attitude of Barlig. Communication between Bontoc and Tinlayan, northeast of the Bontoc area on the river, has also ceased, because of the enmity of Sandanga, which lies close to the trail between the two pueblos, the peace ceremonial, to which a hog or carabao is brought by the entreating people and eaten by the two parties to the agreement, is called Puidin, the peace is sealed by some exchange, as of a battle axe for a blanket, the people suit having the better part of the trade, it now and then happens that of two pueblos at peace one loses a head to the other, if the one taking the head desires continued peace, 
Some of its most influential men hasten to the other Pueblo to talk the matter over. Very likely the other Pueblo will say, If you wish war, all right, if not, you bring us to Carabas, and we will still be friends. If no effort for peace is made by the offenders, each from that day considers the other an enemy. There is a formal way of breaking the peace between two Pueblos, should Otto Somauan of Bontoc, for instance, wish to break her peace with Salcon Salcon she holds a ceremonial meeting, called Menpacal. In this meeting the old men freely speak their minds, and when all matters are settled a messenger departs for Salcon Salcon bearing a battle axe or spear the customary token of war with all these Bontoc peoples. The life of the war messenger is secure, but, if possible, he is a close relative of the challenged people. There is no record that such a person was ever killed while on his mission. The messenger presents himself to some old man of the Otto or Pueblo, and says, In Yalak man sud sud infusaltakeo, which means, roughly, I bring the challenge of war. If the challenge is accepted, as it usually island in axe or spear is given the messenger and he hastens home to exclaim to his people, in Tangai Chaman Fusaltakeo that is, they care to contest in war. A peace thus cancelled is followed by a battle between practically all the men of both sides. It is customary for the challenging people, within a few days, to appear before the Pueblo of their late friends, and the men at once come out in answer to the challenging cries of the visitors come out if you dare to fight us or it may be that those challenged appear near the other Pueblo before it has time to back its challenge. If the challenged Pueblo does not wish to fight, the spokesman tells the messenger that they do not wish war, they desire continued friendship, and the messenger returns to his people, not with a weapon of war, but with a chicken or a pig, and he repeats to his people the message he received from the old man. After a peace has been cancelled the two Pueblos keep up a predatory warfare, with a head lost here and there and with now and then a more serious battle, until one or the other again sues for peace, and has its prayer granted. In this predatory warfare the entire body of enemies, one or more auto, at times lays in hiding to take a few heads from lone people at their daily toil, or when the country about a trail is covered with close tropical growth an enemy may hide close above the path and practically pick his man as he passes beneath him. He hurls or thrusts his spear, and almost always escapes with his own life frequently bursting through a line of people on the trail, and instantly disappearing in the cover below. Should the injured Pueblo immediately retaliate, it finds its enemies alert and on guard. At two places near the mountain trail between Samoki and Tulubin is a trellis-like structure called Koamias. It consists of several posts set vertically in the ground, to which horizontal poles are tied. The posts are the stem and root sections of the beautiful tree firm. They are set root end up, and the fine, Matted roulettes present a compact surface which the Igaro has carved in the traditional shape of the Anito. Some of these heads have inlaid eyes and teeth of stone. Hung on the Koamias are baskets and frames in which chickens and pigs have been carried to the place for ceremonial feasting. These two Koamias were built four years ago when Bontoc and Samoki had their last important head-hunting forays with Tulubin. When Bontoc or Samoki and usually they fight together saw Tulubin heads they spent a night at one of the Koamias remaining at the first one, if the signs were propitious but, if not, they passed on to the second, hoping for better success, they killed and ate their fowls and pigs in a ceremony called Ficot, and, if all was well, approached the mountains near Tulubin and watched to waylay a few of her people when they came to the cementers in the early morning, if a crow flew cawing over the trail, 
or a snake or red cross before the warriors, or a rock rolled down the mountainside, or a clod of earth caved away under their feet, or if the little omen bird, Ichu, called, the expedition was abandoned, as these were bad omens. The ceremony of the KOMIS is held before all head-hunting expeditions, except in the unpremeditated outburst of a people to immediately punish the successful foray or ambush of some other. The KOMIS is built along all Dantok war trails, though no others are known having the Anito heads. So persistent are the warriors if they have decided to go to a particular pueblo for heads that they often go day after day to the KOMIS for eight or ten days before they are satisfied that no good omens will come to them. If the omens are persistently bad, it is customary for the warriors to return to their auto and hold the Imogen ceremony, during which they bury under the stone pavement of the Thali court one of the skulls then preserved in the auto. In this way they explode their extra emotions and partially work off their disappointment. Occasionally a town has a bad strain of blood, and two or three men break away without common knowledge and take heads. The entire body of warriors in the Pueblo where those murdered live promptly rises and pours itself unheralded on the Pueblo of the murderers. If these people are not warned the slaughter is terrible men, women, and children alike being slain, none is spared, except mere babes, unless they belong to the offended Pueblo. Marriage having taken them away from home, preceding a known attack on a Pueblo it is customary for the women and children to flee to the mountains, taking with them the dogs, pigs, chickens, and valuable household effects. However, Bontoc Pueblo, because of her strength, is not so evacuated she expects no enemy strong enough to burst through and reach the defenseless. In the Banai area, where the dwellings are built on prominences frequently a hundred or more feet above the surrounding territory, they say the women often remain and assist in the defense by hurling rocks. They are safer there than they would be elsewhere. Men go to war armed with a wooden shield a steel battle axe, and one to three steel or wooden spears. It is a man's agility and skill in keeping his shield between himself and the enemy that preserves his life. Their battles are full of quick, incessant springing motion. There are sudden rushes and retreats, sneaking flank movements to cut an enemy off. The body is always in hand, always in motion, that it may respond instantly to every necessity. Spears are thrown with greatest accuracy and fatality up to 30 feet and after the spears are discharged the contest, if continued, is at arm's length with the battle axes. In such warfare no attitude or position can safely be maintained except for the shortest possible time. Challenges and bluffs are sung out from either side, and these bluffs are usually called, in the last Bontoc Tulubin for a fine, strapping Tulubin warrior sung out that he wanted to fight ten men he was taken at his word so suddenly that his head was a Bontoc prize before his friends could rally to assist him. In March we were returning from a trip to Benali of the Quayongan area, and were warned we might be attacked near a certain river. As we approached it coming down a forested mountainside three or four men were seen among the trees on the farther side of the stream. Presently they called their dogs, which began to bark, then our Bontacidro constabulary escort joshed the supposed enemy by loudly caning dogs and hogs. Presently the calls worked themselves into a rhythmic chorus for all like a strong college yell. Asu, 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 Futug, 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 Futug. It is probable the men across the river were hunting wild hogs, but at the time the constabulary considered the dog call simply a bluff which they called in the only way they could as they continued down the mountain trail. 
Rocks are often thrown in battle, and not infrequently a man's leg is broken or he is knocked senseless by a rock, whereupon he loses his head to the enemy, unless immediately assisted by his friends, there is little formality about the head taking, most heads are cut off with the battle axe before the wounded man is dead, not infrequently two or more men have thrown their spears into a man who is disabled, if among the number there is one who has never taken a head, he will generally be allowed to cut this one from the body, and thus be entitled to a head taker's distinct tattoo. However, the head belongs to the man who threw the first disabling spear, and it finds its resting place in his auto. If there is time, men of other auto may cut off the man's hands and feet to be displayed in their auto. Sometimes succeeding sections of the arms and legs are cut and taken away, so only the trunk is left on the field. Frequently a battle ends when a single head is taken by either side the victors calling out, Now you go home, and we will go home, and if you want to fight some other day, all right. In this way battles are ended in an hour or so, and often in half an hour. However, they have battles lasting half a day, and ten or a dozen heads are taken. Seven pueblos of the lower Quayongan region went against the scattered groups of dwellings in the Banai area of the upper Quayongan region in May. 1902. The invaders had seven guns, but the people of Benai had more than 60. In fact, the invaders did not know until too late. However, they did not retire until they had lost 150 heads. They annihilated one of the groups of the enemy, getting about 50 heads, and burned down the dwellings. This is by far the fiercest Israel battle of which there is any memory, and its ferocity is largely due to firearms. When a head has been taken the victor usually starts at once for his pueblo, without waiting for the further reissue of the battle. He brings the head to his auto and it is put in a small funnel-shaped receptacle, called Sacco Long, which is tied on a post in the stone court of the Thai. The entire auto joins in a ceremony for the day and night, it is called Southeast Dog. A dog or hog is killed, the greater part of which is eaten by the old men of the auto, while the younger men dance to the rhythmic beats of the gangsa. On the next day, Jao Island a month ceremony, begins, about 7 o'clock in the morning the old men take the head to the river, there they build a fire and place the head beside it, while the other men of the auto dance about it for an hour, all then sit down on their haunches facing the river, and, as each throws a small pebble into the water he says, man I sue, who, 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 Tukukan, or the name of the Pueblo from which the head was taken. This is to divert the battle axe of their enemy from their own necks. The head is washed in the river by sousing it up and down by the hair, and the party returns to the thigh where the lower jaw is cut from the head, boiled to remove the flesh, and becomes a handle for the victor's gangsa. In the evening the head is buried under the stones of the thigh, in a head ceremony which began in Samoki May 21st, 1903. There was a hand, a jaw and an ear suspended from posts in the courts of Otto Nagpai, K.A.W.A., and Nakawang, respectively. In each of the eight Otto of the Pueblo the head ceremony was performed. In their dances the men wore about their necks rich strings of native agapedes which at other dances the women usually wear on their heads. Many had bore tusk armlets, some of which were gay with tassels of human hair. Their breechcloths were bright and long. All wore their battle axes two of which were freshly stained halfway up the blade with human blood they were the axes used in severing the trophies from the body of the slain. On the second day the dance began about four o'clock in the morning, at which time a bright, waning moon flooded the Pueblo with light. At every auto the dance circle was started in its swing, 
and barely ceased for a month, a group of eight or ten men formed, as is shown in place CXXXI, and danced contraclockwise around and around the small circle. Each dancer beat his blood and emotions into sympathetic rhythm on his gangsa, and each entered intently yet joyfully into the spirit of the occasion they had defeated an enemy in the way they had been taught for generations. It was a month of feasting and holidays. Carabatas, hogs, dogs, and chickens were killed and eaten. No work except that absolutely necessary was performed, but all people men, women, and children gathered at the auto dance grounds and were joyous together. Each auto brought a score of loads of poly, and for today's women threshed it out in a long wooden through for all to eat in a great feast. This ceremonial threshing is shown in place CXXXII. 24 persons, usually all women, lined up along each side of the through, and, accompanying their own songs by rhythmic beating of their pestles on the planks strung along the sides of the through, each row of happy toilers alternately swung in and out, toward and from the through its long heavy pestles rising and falling with the regular click, click, thush, click, click, thush, as they fell rebounding on the plank, and were then raised and thrust into the poly filled through, after heads have been taken by an auto any person of that auto man, woman, or child may be tattooed, and in Bontoc Pueblo they maintain that tattooing may not occur at any other time, and that no person, unless a member of the successful auto, may be tattooed, after the captured head has been in the earth under the thawy court of Bontoc about three years it is dug up, washed in the river, and placed in the large basket, the solo lang, in the thawy, where doubtless it is one of several which have a similar history. At such time there is a three-day ceremony, called minimum pafakal is nanamokin. It is a rest period for the entire Pueblo, with feasting and dancing, and three or four hogs are killed. The women may then enter the thawy. It is said to be the only occasion they are granted the privilege. In the folly of Otto Sajikin there are at present three skulls of men from Sagadot, one of a man from Belugan, and one of a man and two of women from Baliwang. Probably not more than a dozen skulls are kept in a folly at one time. The final resting place of the skull is again under the stones of the folly. Samoki does not keep the skull at all, it remains where buried under the Otto court, as was stated before. A skull is generally buried under the stones of the Thali court whenever the omens are such that a proposed head-hunting expedition is given up. They are doubtless, also, buried at other times when the basket in the Thali becomes too full. Sajikin has buried 28 skulls in the memory of her oldest member making a total of 35 heads taken. Say, in 50 years, three of these were men's heads from Ankiling, nine were men's heads from Dukukin, three were men's heads from Barlig, three were men's heads and four women's heads from Sabangan, and six were men's heads from Sadanga. During this same period Sajikin claims to have lost one man's head each to Sabangan and Sadanga. No small children's skulls can be found in Bantak, though some other headhunters take the heads even of infants. In fact, the men of Bantak say that babes and children up to about five years of age are not killed by the headhunter. If one should take a child's head he would shortly be called to fate by some watchful pending in language as follows, Why did you take that babe's head? It does not understand war. Pretty soon some Pueblo will take your head, and the pending is supposed to put it into the mind of some Pueblo to get the head of that particularly cruel man. The friends of a beheaded person take his body home from the scene of death. It remains one day sitting in the dwelling. Sometimes a head is bought back from the victors at the end of a day the usual price paid being a carabao, 
After the body has remained one day in the dwelling it is said to be buried without ceremony near the trail leading to the Pueblo which took the head. The following day the entire auto has a ceremonial fishing in the river, called Mangolgeo or Tidewil. A fish feast follows for the evening meal. The next day the Mangayu ceremony occurs. At that time the men of the auto go near the place where their companion lost his head and ask the beheaded man's spirit, the pending, to return to their Pueblo. Place CXXXVI shows the burial of a beheaded corpse in Benai in April, 1903. After the head taking the body was set up two days under the dwelling of the dead man, and was then carried to the mountainside in the direction of Kembulo, the Pueblo which killed the man. It was tied on a war shield and the hole tied to a pole which was borne by two men, as is shown in place CXXXV. The funeral procession was made up as follows, first, four warriors proceeded one after the other, along a narrow path on the dike walls, each beating a slow rhythm with a stick on the long, black, Benai war shield, each shield, however, being striped differently with white earth paint, the corpse was born next, after which followed about a dozen more warriors, most of whom carried the white marked shield in emblem of mourning, about half a mile from the dwelling the party left the cementers and climbed up a short, steep ascent to a spot resembling the entrance to the earth pearl of some giant animal, and there the strange corpse was placed on the ground. A small group of people, including one old woman, was awaiting the funeral party. At the back end of the burrow two men tore away the earth and disclosed a small wall of loose stones. These they removed and revealed a vertical entrance in the earth about two feet high and to one two feet wide. Through this small opening one of the men crawled and crouching in the narrow sepulcher scraped up and threw out a few handfuls of earth. We were told that the corpse before us was the fifth to be placed in that old tomb, all being victims of the Pueblo of Kembulo, and four of whom were descendants of the first man buried at that place certainly blood vengeance with a vengeance. We were without means of understanding the two or three simple oral ceremonies said over the body, but the woman played a part which it is understood she does not in the Bantak area. She carried a slender polished stick, greatly resembling a baton or swagger stick, and with this stood over the gruesome body, thrusting the stick again and again toward and close to the severed neck, meanwhile repeating a short, low-voiced something, after the body was cut from its shield a blanket was wrapped about it otherwise it was nude, save for a flayed bark breechcloth and it was set up in the cramped sepulchre facing Kembulo and sitting supported away from the earth walls by four short wooden sticks placed upright about it. An old bamboo-headed spear was broken in the shaft and the two sections placed with the corpse. The stones were again piled across the entrance, and when all was closed except the place for one small stone a man gave a few farewell thrusts through the opening with a stick, uttering at the same time a short low sentence or two. The final stone was placed and the earth heaped against the wall. The pole to which the corpse was tied when borne to the burial was placed horizontally before the tomb supported with both ends resting on the high side walls of the burrow, and on it were hung a dozen white bark headbands which were worn, evidently, as a mark of mourning, by many of the men who attended the burial, how long it would be, in a state of nature, before the tomb would be required for another burial is a matter of chance, but a relative, frequently a son, nephew, or brother of the dead man, would be expected to avenge the dead man on the Pueblo of Cambulo with chances in favor of success, but also with equal chances of ultimate loss of the warrior's head and burial where six kinsmen had preceded him. Part 7 Aesthetic Life There is relatively little color in the life of the Bantakidro, 
In the preceding chapter a reference was made to the belief that this lack of color, the monotony of everyday life, has to do with the continuation of head hunting. The life of the Igru is somber hued indeed as compared with that of his more advanced neighbor, the Ilocano. Dress the Bantak Igru is not much given to dress under which term are considered the movable adornments of persons. Little effort is made by the man toward dressing the head, though before marriage he at times wears a sprig of flowers or of some green plant tucked in the head at either side. The young man's suckling is also generally more attractive than that of the married man, with its side ornaments of human hair tassels its dog teeth, or mother-of-pearl discs, and its red and yellow colors, it is often very gay. About 150 men in Bantak and Samoki own and sometimes wear at the girdle a large 7-inch disc of mother-of-pearl shell, it is called Ifikun, and its use is purely ornamental. CPLS, LXXX and XXX, it is valued highly, and I have not known half a dozen Igro to part with one for any price. This shell ornament is widespread through the country east and also south of the Bantak area, but nowhere is it seen plentifully, except on ceremonial days probably not a dozen are worn daily in Bantak. Other forms of adornment, though only a means to a permanent end, are the ear stretchers and variety of ear plugs which are worn in a slit in the ear lobe preparing it for the earring the Sing Sing, which all hope to possess. The stretcher consists of two short pieces of bamboo forced apart and so held by two short cross pieces inserted between them. The bamboo ear stretcher is generally ornamented by straight incised lines. The plugs are not all considered decorative. Some are bunches of a vegetable pith placed CXXXVIII. Others are wads of sugar cane leaves. Some, however, are wooden plugs shaped quite like an ordinary large cork stopper of a bottle placed CXXXVIII. The outer end is often ornamented by straight incised lines or with red seeds affixed with wax or with a small piece of a cheap glass mirror roughly inlaid. The long ear slit is not the end sought, because if the owner despairs of owning the coveted earring the stretchers and plugs are eventually removed and the slit contracts from an inch and one half to a quarter of an inch or less in length. The long slit is desired because the people consider the effect more beautiful when the ring swings and dangles at the bottom of the pendant ear. The gold earring is the most coveted, but a few silver and many copper rings are worn in substitution for the gold. Figure 8 Metal Earrings A gold, B copper both are two or three generations old and their patterns are no longer made, C copper, D silver. This is practically the extent of the everyday adornment worn by the boys and men. Small boys sometimes wear a brass wire bracelet, but the brass wire, so commonly worn on the wrists, ankles, and necks of the people eased north, and south of the Bantak.